the nice thing about the, the uh, Daoist chapters, they're, they're all short. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not like a, a chapter in the Bible. Yeah. You know, that, you know, it goes on for, you know, 5,000 words or yeah. something. <laughs> Today we're doing the Beatitudes. The show will be nine hours. Hlu, Kai, Hlu, Hedran, Hlu. What's this Tao all about? A lighthearted look at Taoism featuring Dr. Carl Totten and Todd Perry. Carl is the founder of the Taoist Institute in North Hollywood, California. Todd Perry knows a little about Taoism and is mainly here because he owns a few microphones. Now, let's learn. What's this Tao all about? everybody. This is Todd Perry. Listen to What's This Dow All About? And I'm here with Dr. Carl Totten. Hello, world. Aloha. <laughs> That's right. Seriously. You were recently in Hawaii. I was recently in Hawaii. It's beautiful. We're so jealous. Ah, yes. Feel the jealousy, everybody. <laughs> I was in Hawaii. I was in Hawaii with a two-year-old. <laughs> you shouldn't be that jealous. <laughs> uh, so uh, last show, we discussed The Watercourse Way by Alan Watts, which is a book. So if this is the first time you're listening to this show, well, first of all, probably start at show one. Probably the way to go. Because we'll be probably talking about some concepts that we are, we've already been over. But, um, so if, but if you just want to pick up... Go back to the show before this one, because lots of people, they just come in on like the most recent show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were talking about this book, so you're, you're coming in halfway. You're coming in cold to the book, so do that. Uh, but for everybody else who was with us last or two weeks ago, uh, we were talking about the book The Watercourse Way by Alan Watts, and we had a little more to get to, so we're just going to finish that up today. And then we're going to do some listener email about how to cope with uh, kind of distressing news. And then we're going to finish up, if we have time, with a chapter from the Tao Te Ching. So we were talking on the last show, we kind of ended up our discussion on Alan Watts' book, The Watercourse Way, with a discussion about Li, uh, which is the kind of organic patterns that arise through nature versus the kind of man-made patterns that we create through law or through social interactions. Um, or through just kind of linear way we, we see things like science or history. And he says, uh, basically, uh, is there any clear way of distinguishing organic pa- pattern from mechanical or linear pattern between nature and artifice growing and making? Obviously, no animal or plant is made the same way a table is made out of wood. And I think if you, in breaking off from Watts's words, I think if you look at the kind of Christian idea of the world that it is like an, an animal was kind of, there was no animal, and then God, whoop, zap with his magic wand, made an animal. Whereas this organic way of looking about things, which is much more in line with the ideas of Darwin, is that, you know, things evolved within the nature and the environment around them. And over a very long time to be created. And that's, I mean, the idea of Lee and this idea of mutual arising is 
makes complete sense with the idea, the ideas of Darwin and the ideas of uh, evolution. Mm-hmm. Um, which it, which is crazy because it's almost like the, the Chinese were onto that, the kind of the process behind that. Uh, many years before the origin of species was written, I don't know what, 1897 or, or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. A tree is not made of wood. It is wood. <laughs> a mountain is not made of rock. It is rock. The seed grows into the plant by an expansion from within. Its parts or distingu- distinguishable organs develop simultaneously as it expands. Nature has no parts except those which are distinguished by human systems of classification. And it is only by elaborate surgery that any part of a body can be replaced. So, yeah, it's this idea that we see things as individual parts versus systems. Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And the, Which are always whole. Yeah, exactly. And so the, the, the Taoist idea or the Chinese concept of Li is that everything are these systems, whereas we're looking at them through a microscope as parts, mm-hmm. in which when you see them as parts, you're never going to get the whole story. Right, right. Um, and then if we take this a step further, the Taoists are saying then that seen as a whole, the universe is a harmony or symbiosis of patterns which cannot exist without each other. However, when it is looked at section by section, we find conflict. The biological world is a mutual eating society in which every species is the prey of another. But if there are any species not preyed upon by another, it would increase and multiply to its own self-strangulation. As human beings, through their skill in defeating other species, such as bacteria, are in danger of disrupting the whole biological order by overpopulation and thus destroying themselves. Sounds like a certain diseases, right? Like cancer, right? The cells just keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying until they destroy the host. Right, because there's, uh, if, forgive me for being wrong, but there isn't much we can do to kill cancer besides cutting it out or radiation. You know, if not, it's just going to keep spreading. It just keeps spreading. And, and, so, and then Alan Watts concludes this saying, For this reason, anyone who sets out to govern the world puts everything, and especially himself, in danger. Kind of laissez-faire right. <laughs> approach, uh, moderation in all things. You know, sometimes the best way to allow things to develop is to is to hold it with a gentle hand. Yes, <laughs> because then you don't constrict its growth and you don't impose any uh, external structure or direction on its growth either. Mm-hmm. It just simply grows to where it's supposed to stop, and then without any force, it does. <laughs> it just does. Uh, and then uh, he kind of finishes the book, which again um, he never really finished the book because he passed away. Uh, when he was writing it, and uh, alcohol had a big, big role in his his passing. Yes, he was, as they say, a convivial man. <laughs> there's a there's a great line, <laughs> movie Closer. It's a Jude Laws. You talk about he's a hack writer who writes obituaries, and he always says, you know, we have little fun ways of talking about people, euphemisms we use. If he was a drunk, we say he was a convivial man. <laughs> if he was gay, we said he kept himself private. <laughs> you know, um, so we're going to kind of finish off this. I thought there was a lot more to get to, but there isn't. Uh, we're going to finish off this um, with Just his description of day or duh. Uh, and, and the idea that as, as we have discussed day a lot, it has been, you know, they, they say the, the idea in Taoism as the day is um, 
what is it, uh, virtue in action, which is kind of the performance of the Tao, which is how you enact these kind of philosophies and ideas externally. And it is made kind of when mind and heart are aligned together, yes. right? It creates this kind of virtue in action. And, and that's, again, that's a whole balanced person who has mind-body connection and is going out and acting in the world. And uh, according to Alan Watts, the day means actually a lot more, and it means this kind of human, not just human, but the potential in the thing. It's the seed that becomes the great oak. Mm. And, uh, that, and it's that kind of inherent virtue that then we can bring out and cultivate. And he says, day is already present in the miraculous fruitation of plants, the formation of eyes and ears, the circulation of blood, and the reticulation of nerves, since all this comes about without conscious direction. Mm. And then the book ends with kind of a, a note, which is kind of a, it's a kind of a lighthearted way of how the Taoist lives in this world. And he says, Taoism is not a philosophy of compelling oneself to be calm and dignified under all circumstances. The real and astonishing calm people like Lao Tzu comes from the fact that they're already, they are ready and willing, without shame, to do what comes naturally in all circumstances. The unbelievable result is that they are far more sociable and civilized than those who try to live rigorously by laws and watchwords. Mm. So Lao Tzu... Beautiful. As uh, throwing back to last show, Lao Tzu uh, knows the dance steps, threw the dance steps away, and is now tap dancing his way through life, <laughs> as which any Taoist should. And so when we go through all these things, we talk about these you know, obscure ideas and Chinese words and all this stuff, we know that in the end, it's to come out to be on that side after learning the dance steps of the Tao. And how can we tell? The dancer from the dance. Mm. Yeah. So moving on, we're going to get to some listener mail here. And I found this one was particularly compelling. Um, given, let's see, do I, do, I have, do I have my notes? Do I have my top secret notes or your notes? Okay, <laughs> I have my top secret notes. Um, this you, was the question from uh, Reddit, right? Oh, no, this one was actually... Um, from a gal who listens to the show named Jennifer. And Jennifer was very nice. I gave her a large PDF file that had tran uh, transcriptions of this show, and I said, could you find cool quotes that we can put in our Twitter feed? So lots of those, she found those. So that's really cool. So then she, she emailed us. And she says, Dear Dr. Totten and Todd, oh, yes. first, thank you for creating this show. I always got to get to the compliment part in here. <laughs> it's good for, for, for my ego. Good for morale. I enjoy every episode and have listened to quite a few of them numerous times. I gain something with each listen, and I have a question for you. You are aware, as a lot of us are, about what is currently going on in the United States. Even though I have many contemplative practices I partake in, I feel overwhelmed, uh, an overwhelming sense of dread. It has gotten to the point that I can only tolerate the news for bits at a time, and social media time dramatically... I'm decreasing my social media time every day, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I'm also practicing self-care often so I can continue to be an asset to the various causes I care about and in performing my job as a mental health therapist. Despite the circumstances, what wisdom can you share with us and how to make it through these times? Sincerely, Jennifer. So I think Jennifer is alluding to, to the, is the kind of chaotic state of the current uh, U.S. political 
what's going on with the, the kind of you know wacky guy running the country right now. Um, and I think that even people who are listening who may be on the conservative side of things uh, can understand that people would feel uncomfortable and feel almost a sense of dread mm-hmm. at the kind of chaos being sowed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, good question. And I said to Jennifer, yep, yeah, uh, another great question. Thanks, Jennifer. You know, w- within your question, I actually discovered several answers. <laughs> Funny how that works. Uh, you you note that this period of time is temporary, and knowing that, and knowing that life contains, therefore, ups and downs, highs and lows, is an important message to remember and meditate upon, actually. This helps us avoid undue stress by being able to let go and just observe and go with the flow of life, rather than constantly feeling the need to resist which then strains our brains. (laughs) You also mentioned self-care, which is another crucial aspect to nourishing our souls so that we have the energy and the momentum to be able to go with the flow of life without getting bogged down or stuck to clinging to things with our minds. And reconfirming our, our purpose, as previously discussed, gives us strength as we know that we are doing the right thing. Uh, especially when selflessly doing random acts of kindness and helping others, especially those who are less fortunate than us. This enriches the soul with something that cannot be bought. So thanks again, and may the Tao be with you always, uh, Jennifer. Great question. And, and, and she mentioned you know, that her work as a mental health therapist, so every day she is giving of herself and her talents and her training, you know, to people who are coming to her in distress. Mm-hmm. So she she's she's essentially a healer, but the healer has to take care of oneself to be in position to do the healing. Right, right. <laughs> Something I'm well aware of, which is why you know I always stress that you know we have to do things pretty much every day. We have to kind of weave that into the fabric of our day. Uh, elements of self-care, which involve things like meditation or yoga or, you know, other practices that give back, mm-hmm. you know, because, we, again, as I mentioned last year, we spent a lot of time doing, do, 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 right? Do this, do that, do the other thing. But if we if something doesn't come back, then it's inherently out of balance. Yeah. And when you are empty, and not empty in a good way, but empty because you're just depleted of all your energy <laughs> and your resources then you really have very little to share with others. You have n- mm-hmm. you literally have nothing to give. Right. And so, you know, the old saying, charity starts at home. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we need to give to ourselves, and then we actually will have something to share with others. That's yeah. true. That's true. You know, my, my response to this is, Jennifer A., you got a tax cut. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't be that stressed. The economy is good. No, I'm joking. Um you know, the way I see it is the way I've kind of, kind of tried to make sense of things or not get too overwhelmed, uh, which I was definitely in the beginning. And you can, everybody can zip back and listen to that show we put out. <laughs> I, I found that by looking, looking, having a, stepping back and having perspective, like the Taoist is like, we were just reading that Alan Watts book about how when we, we, we look at things, 
if we look at these little things in the animal kingdom, we see violence and everything. But when we step back and we see the big picture, we see some type of balance going on. Yes. And in the big picture, the, the story, that, and, and I always just try to cling to this, is my kind of um, life, life raft when I, when I kind of get upset about something, is that right now we live in the best time to ever be alive in human history, without a doubt. And there's a, there's a crazy stuff going on. Um, or did you know that uh, these days uh, only 0.4% of people out of every 100,000 are, are die due to war these days? And it's the lowest number since 1400 as people are kind of going through conflict in human history. The best time we have numbers back is to like 1400. And before that, you had insane wars and crusades in medieval yes. times. Yes. This is, we've had this amazing... During the World War II era, 2,000 people per every 100,000 died due to war. Now it's 0.4, right? So, and, and then also, and that amount has gone by in half over the last 30 years. So actually, as a world, we are more peaceful than anybody could have ever imagined. Yes, there are some wars and there are conflicts and everything. Um, and then if you look at the violence in America... The crime rate is equal to what it was in 1960. We're at a 50-year low rate in crime, even though people on the news and politicians want to say, oh, everything's terrible, and everything's going to hell, and you're going to get raped by an illegal immigrant, and all this <laughs> nonsense, <laughs> even though that... Actually, we're at a lows in crime. Yes. And so we should, we should enjoy that. And also, see, in 1990, 44% of people lived in extreme poverty. Now it's just 9.6%. That's in the world. Like We're living in this current miracle... This world miracle of peace and prosperity. The news is not going to tell it to you. The politicians aren't sure as hell going to tell it to you. But there's guys like Steven Pinker that are writing books. There's guys known as the New Optimists. Um, there's an organization called the Cato Institute. And all these guys, they're putting uh, our, our world in numbers is another great place to go. So although there's a bit of completely unnecessary chaos going on in the United States for everybody trying to upending a system that essentially works... Um, and again, you could say any of these things and someone will write me an email and say, there's poverty in this part of the world, there's a problem here. Yes, of course there is. I'm not saying the world's perfect, but it's much better than it has been. And so I just kind of look at it as now's the best time to be alive. We should spread that and be evangels, you know, evangelistic about it. Um, and that'll help kind of, I think, curb the nastiness of the current political climate, hopefully. And that's at least something to look at. You go, look, okay, there, there's this nasty policy going down or whatever that you're seeing, but let's put that in perspective and see that as a world, things are getting better. So that's how I kind of counter it. And then obviously, the, this too shall pass and, you know, mm -hmm. whoever comes around next will probably be a, a lot more sane, <laughs> I think. So, and, th and that's how I see it. It's kind of like looking at the bigger picture. You know, the big picture and then the bigger picture. <laughs> right. You know, taking kind of a meta-analytical look at things. You know, one of my favorite books is The Politics of Experience oh, yeah. by Dr. R.D. Lang, who was a Scottish uh, psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, of an, pretty much of an existential type of bent. Mm -hmm. He wrote that book, I believe, in 1969. It's a classic, an all-time bestseller in psychology, psychiatry. And in it, he says in his argument is essentially that modern man is really insane, <laughs> because he said, you know, so-called sane people in the past hundred years have killed perhaps 100 million of their fellows yeah. in wars of 
aggression and retribution and retaliation and dominance, etc. Is is that sane? Would a sane society or societies, groups of people, kill a hundred million of their fellows within a hundred years? Right. What's sane about that? Right. Yeah. No. He, no. He, so he was arguing. No. We're, we're, you know, we're 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 bat crap crazy out of our minds. You right. know, because we haven't found our hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been in our heads where we have all these distinctions, you know, my side against your side, you know, your right against my perceived wrong, etc. And then that leads us to lose our humanity and to just want to contain, hurt and kill each other. Right. And there's nothing sane about that. No. At all. No. Um. And um, and 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 so since then that was 1969. Of course, that was right in the middle of things like the you know Vietnam Wars and things like that. And then going back in a hundred years, of course, you know we had World War, we had uh, you know Korean War, World War Two, World War One, uh, maybe even the Spanish American War. I don't know, but th- there were all these conflicts around the world where people essentially were killing each other. And now it's better. On some levels, on many levels, just in terms of just the numbers, just the gross numbers of people being killed because we don't have like a mass world war right now. Mm. Uh, Not that there aren't forces out there kind of always nudging us in that direction. Correct, yeah. And um, one thing I frequently say is that, you know, 100 years ago, say in the 1800s, it was not possible for mankind, no matter what we did, at that, with the technology that we had then, it was not possible for mankind to destroy the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, it's very possible. See, so now, if we lose our bearings too much and go too far off the deep end with what we're doing to the ecological system, you know, to Mother Earth, not to mention all the stores of nuclear, biological, chemical weapons, and other things. That that are even even more secret that, but they're out there. We we could very easily destroy most of this world mm-hmm. in a matter of days, weeks, certainly. So e- either by neglect or by conscious actions, and so so on one hand, that like you're saying, yeah, things are on, on a, that meta level better, just in terms of the numbers of people in poverty globally, and the numbers of people not dying in wars globally. However, Mm. (laughs) the dangers are more extreme than ever in terms of what the actual damage that could be done Mm -hmm. if we lose our minds. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or if we don't gain our minds. (laughs) (laughs) And and reconnect to the heart. (laughs) Yeah. You know, to the the care and the concern and the compassion, to the love. Because ultimately... That's, you know, unity consciousness, love, is what this Tao is really all about. So, so Jennifer, what we're saying is don't get caught up in the the daily tweet. Worry about nuclear devastation, which is around every corner. (laughs) Hopefully we helped you out there. (laughs) So let's see here. Let's uh, finish up this show with looking at Chapter 10 of the Tao Te Ching. Chapter 10 is another interesting chapter. They're all interesting. Huh? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 
That guy Lao Tzu could write. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's, I mean, he's all right. <laughs> I, I prefer him in his original English. So. Actually, um, I think he kind of dictated it <laughs> pretty much. And oh yeah, someone else kind of wrote it down. I right? know. Yeah, isn't it funny that the yeah. books that people most treasure are just kind of like willy nilly transcribed? <laughs> wasn't like you know the King James Bible was transcribed by a fifteen year old? Isn't that it? The English isn't King James fifteen. I, mean, I might be wrong. Email me if I'm wrong. Um, but yes, and then and Lao Tzu allegedly, you know, just kind of. Told was like the guard at the, the gates, gate, at, gatekeeper, right? Yeah, <laughs> on his way out of the country, and the guys go, "No way, you can't leave. You got to tell us. You got to tell us what you what what you know what you know." Right. He says, "Oh, okay. Here, listen to this." Yeah. <laughs> it's just like imagine going to your, go to your local Best Buy, and there's a guy out there who's got like a billy club in case somebody tries to steal an iMac. Now, 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 tell him to write down Dao Te Ching on a little pad, and that's how all this happened. So, you know, maybe it's not Lao Tzu. Maybe it's a security guard that we gotta be, we got to be thinking about. But there's wisdom in there somewhere. Whoever, it, whoever, wherever it came from, yes. it's there. I, I can feel it. <laughs> so, chapter 10 uh, goes as follows. Carrying body and soul and embracing the one, can you avoid separation? Attending fully and becoming supple, can you be as a newborn babe? Washing and cleansing the primal vision, can you be without stain? Loving all men and ruling the country, can you be without cleverness? Opening and closing the gates of heaven, can you play the role of woman? Understanding and being open to all things, are you able to do nothing? Giving birth and nourishing, bearing yet not possessing, working yet not taking credit, leading yet not dominating. This is the primal virtue. Wow. Is that powerful? That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, my goodness, uh, we could spend uh, the next uh, few months probably discussing <laughs> these. <laughs> Almost every word is... Uh, is filled with so much, um, just so much. But, you know, I think in this chapter, what I really think that Lao Tzu is doing, he's discussing a bit of alchemy. This caring body and soul and embracing the one, can you avoid separation? You know, the inner development of the Tao requires a high level of integration. Uh, when in meditation and doing things like Qigong, the mind, the body, the breath, the eyes, uh, everything is, is in alignment. And when that occurs, something that uh, fosters a more balanced sense of awareness leading to a sense of rebirth, he says, can you be a newborn babe? <laughs> mm. uh, and he goes on to talk about attending fully, becoming supple by understanding and being open to all things and being quote, able to do nothing. You know, these represent centered awareness without the distraction of interfering thoughts where we can become supple or possess a sense of inner flexibility by, quote, washing and cleansing the primal vision, uh, a.k.a. by engaging in the practice of soul nurturance, our spirits and karma become cleaned and we can let go of the extra mental, emotional, and physical baggage or hindrances to be, quote, without stain. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and what did he say? And capable of, quote, loving all men 
and ruling the country, avoiding trying to be clever for cleverness sakes, thus reaching the highest levels of awareness, opening and closing the gates of heaven, he calls it, and be able to be more androgynous. Can you play the role of woman by understanding and being open to all things and do nothing? Amazing. You know, all of this leads to, quote, giving birth and nourishing, again, back to the, that feminine uh, metaphor, uh, this development of that sense of rebirth, uh, you know, beyond attachment, which results in the primal virtue, which is, of course, union with the Tao. So this chapter seems to be providing guidance and instruction on how to achieve these re really refined states of being through attuned practices, mindfulness, and flexibility which allows us to transcend fixed roles and any sense of separation from others or from our own inner nature. This is really heavy. Uh, Whoa, I mean, this, this, and I guess it, we could talk about this for forever. Yeah, you know, I, I, I see this as kind of a narrative, right? Where it kind of starts with saying, um, by embracing the one, can you avoid separation? So it's like he's saying, you know, through kind of Embracing the one, and I'll unpack that a little bit further, but by embracing the one, can, can you avoid separation with it? And therefore, uh, you're, you're, you're kind of, you're on the way, right? And then attending fully and becoming supple, you'll be like a newborn babe, and then washing and cleansing the primal vision. So at this point, through being on the way and separating yourself from all your biases and your ego and your projections mm -hmm. and your, your desires and your wanting the world to be a certain way or another way, you come to that clear vision of the world, that primal vision, and being without stain. So you're, you're at a point of what they say, mirror mind, yes. where you are just reflecting reality. Yes. And so, so you did this practice by embracing the one, you became. You kind of cleansed your mind. You had the mind of a newborn babe. You see the world clearly, and then it comes to these benefits, and then you enact it by, you know, as, as Lao Tzu always said, keep to the feminine. Mm -hmm. So that can you, you be kind of like a woman who, who's, um, who basically giving birth and nourishing, but yet not possessing. Mm -hmm. Right? You are, you are nurturing the world. You are creating, but you're not being beholden to it. Or having it be beholden to you. Right. Bearing yet not possessing. Working yet not taking credit. Leading yet not dominating. Yes. All of that. And and I love when you talk about that washing and cleansing the primal vision. Can you be without stain? Mm. Um, you know, we, we, are, we live in, in the type of material society where so much is measured by how much you have mm -hmm. and, how, and what you do and your status. And so we cling to all of these distinctions, but those very distinctions, of course, separate us from each other and from ourselves, yes. from our own true inner nature, right? And so he said, can, can you attend fully and become supple, wash, like a newborn babe, washing and cleansing the primal vision? Can you be without stain? And I talk, I t often teach about cleaning uh, our, 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 our spirit, so that we have less f attachments that then hinder us and prevent us from going with the flow and being in harmony with others and the great Tao. Mm -hmm. And so I think that every day, part of our practice should be doing, kind of taking, like you said, looking at that, turning that mirror around and then cleaning it, cleaning the mirror, one, so we can see clearly right. <laughs> what we're trying to perceive, and two, 
so that we actually have the tools to kind of clean our mental, emotional, and physical attachments to the very things that limit us from soaring into the Tao. Right. And it's like he says here, he says, like, you know, you go through these things and then you enter the gates of heaven. Yes. But you come to this. And, and when they say heaven, they don't necess- they don't, they're not talking about like the heaven we talk about in the Christian Bible. They're talking kind of entering this new plateau of consciousness. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Um, and, and then it's, it's funny, going back to the beginning of this, when he says embrace, you know, carrying body and soul and embracing the one. Mm-hmm. Embracing the one, of course, it reminds me of, you know, meditating. And that when we are meditating, we're trying to keep to the one. We're trying to just keep on our breath. Mm-hmm. We're trying to get out of our thoughts, get out of our mind, and get, get to this more kind of primal core. And then, and then it's funny, then you, you, which you kind of broke my mind open in, on, on meditation is you're saying, and you said this to me first, and I was like, oh, man, I didn't even no concept of ever thinking about that. But you're like, well, meditation, really? Because I would say, oh, how many minutes a day should I meditate? How many, how should I do this? And I was trying to really, you know, create rules and everything for it. Like we were talking before with dance steps. I was trying to get the dance steps right so then I could dance. And to quantify it. <laughs> yes, and you said, to me, you said, you know, the actual dancing is when you're not, it's not just you sitting on your butt meditating in a quiet room. It's you walking down the street in a meditation. It's you mm-hmm. fully living that reality that yes. you create while sitting on the pillow, yes. that you creating this room in your mind or whatever, and then you can mm-hmm. go into that. And I've been able to do that a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what fully being that is until you get there, right? But I have <laughs> seen flashes of it. So I get that. And so he's, he's saying that, and, it's, and then he says, um, are, are you, it's, it's funny because he says, you know, attending fully and becoming supple, washing the cleansing, the primal vision. And it's almost like, it, it, there's also a musical point of that, and we've talked about this before. Where like James Brown or George Clinton, we'll, we'll talk about the one. Prince will talk about the one. Everything being on the one, on that one beat. Boom, a noot, three, four. Boom, a noot, and giving that big E note. Boom, slap the bass right there. And when you're on that one, like, can you be on the one? Can you embrace it and not get away from the one? And then it's like staying in time with the music. Yes. And then once you learn how to stay in time with the music, now you can start playing without thinking. Yes. You know, as yes. I think I've said it before, Jimi Hendrix isn't thinking when he's <laughs> playing that guitar. <laughs> he, he learned the dance steps and now he is flowing out. You know, he might have wrote the song a bit, of course, but he is, he's going out there, right? John Coltrane is going out there, right? Yeah, if they were thinking... Thinking, thinking. They couldn't play the way they were playing. <laughs> they couldn't do it. And then. Because <laughs> they'd be too much in their heads. They are giving birth and nourishing, bearing but not possessing. Just letting your freak flag Just fly. Let Just it go. Putting mm-hmm. it out there, let it, leaving it all on the dance floor. Yes. Leaving yeah. it all on the stage. Um, and then, but then there's the interesting part working but not taking credit. Well, James Brown was taking credit. <laughs> <laughs> I think people. Um, and he led and dominated, but you know what I'm saying. But, and, and, but you know when you, you when you can just allow who you are and what you're doing to speak for itself, you don't have to take credit. 
No. Other people will give you credit. You That's don't have true. to talk about it. You don't have to pat yourself on the back. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> There's hands all over your back all the time. Right. <laughs> Yours doesn't have to be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's funny. If you look at this narrative, it can cross-apply to a creative task. It can cross-apply to, obviously, parenting. It can cross-apply, I'm sure, to just about any endeavor you undertake. Yeah, I really love it because, like I said, this it has so many... Kind of metaphorical uh, allusions to alchemy, mm. and alchemy involves mixing different elements together, like such as body and soul, <laughs> and letting go, so that this mixture of these various elements, which individually have merit, but collectively together create whole new vistas of possibilities. Mm -hmm. And you know the the Taoist vision, if you will, has always been this this evolutionary process of mixing various aspects and elements of consciousness, of mind, of body, of breath, of movement, to create something which otherwise separately do not exist, but together they manifest. They result in this manifestation, this da, this day that comes yeah. right into being mm -hmm. as a result of the various elements just being held in the same space at the same time in the right amounts for long enough and then pow whammo big bang big bang yeah <laughs> the universe explodes